Welcome to episode four of Brand Wars. If you haven't listened before, we dissect two of the biggest brands in the world, their history, their name, their advertising, their celebrity endorsements, and my personal favorite section, Weird Facts. This one's been a long time coming thanks to chiefly Chris's technical broadband issues, uh, but features two of our favorite personal brands. Everyone's go-to duty-free sunglasses, Ray-Ban, versus a brand that's particularly close to Chris's heart, Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream. Sorry in advance for the repeated use of the phrase mouthfeel. Enjoy. We're live. All right, shall I kick off then? Yeah, go on then. Well, hello and welcome to uh, this month's edition of <laughs> of uh, Brand Wars. Chris has got some explaining to do. Yeah, thanks for dropping it, dropping me in there, Lloyd. It's well overdue, I suppose. I'm, I'm blaming it on COVID. You know what? It's not my fault. Internet's rubbish at home. Everything boils down to COVID nineteen. That's all it is. But I am coming at you from wet and rainy Weymouth at the moment where I'm staying uh, with some friends and working from home whilst they're all at the beach at the moment. I couldn't let the pod go. So we're back here to wage war between two of the biggest brands um, around the world today. But yes, I basically had to move to the south coast to find some suitable Wi-Fi. Yes. And I can't believe how much better it is here than it is in my own home in leafy Surrey. You've resorted to like sort of yogurt pot and string technique. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's no fiber optics, you know, over there in, in Surrey. It's, it's, you know, tin cans and string, like you said, (laughs) (laughs) um, rubbing sticks together. Electricity's gone. We're back to the dark ages. Well, saying that most of Surrey has been on fire recently. So, um, oh, what with the thirty-five degree heat? I mean, I'm actually quite glad to see some rain. Not gonna lie to you. No, no, literally on fire. Oh, like, literally uh, on fire. Yeah, like Wentworth Estates been on fire. Horrible. Oh yeah, I remember seeing that. I mean, to be fair, the the rain's nice, but I've realised I'm that proper Englishman that complains when it's too hot and too cold at the same time, and then it starts raining. It's like, oh no, it's too wet. I can't deal with this. I don't know about I don't know about you. Never happy, never happy. Sounds like the poor man's version of Ray Ban's uh, "Never Hide, Never Happy." Um, <laughs> well, you know me, love my cricket, and uh, you know we were playing a thirty-five degree heat the other day, and you know with all the sort of restrictions at the moment, you have to bring your own tea, and uh, you know I'm not really a fan of cricket teas for the most part, but when you have to bring your own meal deal sandwich and have that three hours later at four o'clock, that's just never nice at it's, all. Uh, proper middle class problem i mean well have a sweaty sandwich no one wants a sweaty sandwich (laughs) definitely i'd I'd rather have a pot of ben and jerry's wow there you go (laughs) what a link absolutely well i was gonna say i think we both we both slipped today's today's brands in there so we've got one of the behemoths of the fashion industry in ray-bans we also have one of the biggest um, and well-known food brands going around at the moment, which is Ben and Jerry's. So we're going to obviously be looking at what they've uh, what they've been up to in PR week. Their James, the James Dyson Award. Who's going to win that for the best thing they've ever made? All the way down to the George Clooney Award, i.e., best celebrity endorsement. 
you know, I've, I have to say, Lloyd, I'm quite interested to, to hear more about Ray Bans. I actually don't know all about it. All I know is it's got that cool factor. If we want to kick off, I suppose, with uh, in the beginning, Ray-Ban was sort of uh, started by as an opticians, I guess. Um, so there's a company called uh, B&L, which uh, stands for uh, Bausch and Lom, which um, was started by a guy called John Jacob Bausch, who's a German immigrant to the States living in Rochdale in uh, New York. Very cool. Not, and Ro- then... not Rochdale, England. No, not, uh, not. Sorry, I said Rochdale. I meant Rochester. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure the, there's anything cool that's come out of Rot, uh, Rochdale. Oh, you're going to have Rochester listeners up in arms. I said Rochester when I meant Rochdale. What is going on? All right, shall I start again? I have a German, deep breath. Take two. <laughs> German immigrant, John Jacob Bausch, came over to the US from Germany and started a small business uh, dealing in optical goods. Uh, in Reynolds Arcade, which is a, a building in uh, Rochester, in New York. Um, and uh, he didn't have any money, so his mate, Henry Lom, provided a loan. And that was the start of Bausch & Lom. They became the first company to produce optical glass in 1936. And I guess the first... I one... what people were wearing glasses beforehand. Were they just monocles, you know, but like double monocle? Like two beer glasses. Know. I, do, I just have a, I just have pocket binoculars. That'd be it. That sounds very dirty, Chris. <laughs> no, no, they'd be very PG. I promise. <laughs> Basically, B and L were approached by the U.S. Army to produce optical instruments for both the First World and then later the Second World War. So they used to produce optical instruments like torpedo sights and periscopes and searchlight mirrors and all that cool military stuff. And then in the sort of 1930s for the second world war pilots were flying higher than they ever had done and faster than they ever had done i guess and they were again approached by uh, the u.s army to design some protective eyewear for pilots to shield their vision from the sunlight encountered during sort of high altitude flights and they developed this sort of uh, product called anti-glare which were mm-hmm. sort of protective eyewear they were dark green frames with uh, dark green lenses sorry with plastic um, frames, a sort of teardrop shape to um, sort of cover the part of his face that wasn't covered by, you know, his oxygen mask or his helmet. Are uh, they the 1930s versions of your blue light glasses? Yeah, the, I guess. Is that, is that how the world has, like, changed over the last 90 years? Yeah, I guess. Uh, so product recommendation, non-sponsored. Barna, yeah. great company. They make anti-glare blue light glasses for, <laughs> for laptops. <laughs> and uh, they're based in Barcelona, and I'm very happy with my glasses. Okay, not plugged. Check them out. Check them yeah. out. Um, that could be our first sponsored post right there. <laughs> For free, for free. <laughs> for free, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do it for free. Yeah. Just there, set a spare glasses, gifted, hashtag gifted, we'll, we'll have a pair. Okay, so on the flip side of that, I'm looking after Ben and Jerry's here, and I have to be honest, I didn't know a lot about them before looking into them, and it's crazy, actually. They've got a real, a real good story about them of how they came about. So it's crazy to think that they've been going for just over 40 years. They were found in 1978 by childhood friends uh, Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield, hence Ben and Jerry's. But did you know that they grew up in New York and obviously the big thing there is bagels and they actually wanted to set their own bagel company but found it was too expensive. So they ended up just sticking to ice cream. <laughs> the next <laughs> and, best thing. 
Absolutely. It's definitely the the next best option. But um, they actually didn't know anything about making ice cream. Apparently, they enrolled in a correspondence course at Penn State, which is the current equivalent of like doing an online course. And they pay like $5 for this. So they had to do this for like 12 months so they could learn how to make ice cream. But not only that, Ben of Ben and Jerry's actually has something called Asomnia, where he cannot smell or taste. So they decided to put chunks in the ice cream for better mouthfeel. So, you know, like Ray-Bans were innovators of uh, the, the glass technology, these guys were innovators of the ice cream technology and going for pure mouthfeel. <laughs> Stop saying mouthfeel. <laughs> I know, I can't help it, but I'm just thinking of all the little cookies and cream bits. <laughs> Weirdly enough, yesterday received a, an ad from Delivery. Yeah. Co-op. You can get two, yeah. pe- two pizzas and a tub of ice cream, Ben & Jerry's, for £5. Oh, what a deal. Mm. Oof, what a deal. That shout-out co-op for that. I think if we do enough shout-outs, someone will eventually listen, right? Well, we know our worth, and our worth is zero. So. <laughs> but, um, oh, however, if we're talking about free stuff, Ben & Jerry's, are on for the first anniversary after you know opening, uh, they actually gave out free cones to customers, and they actually still do this at the moment, apparently. So they actually give away over a million cones per year on that one day of their anniversary. It all started in their first shop, which they opened in Vermont, which is the state like just outside of New York. And it actually, they opened up at a gas station. So imagine like driving down a highway and you just see an ice cream shop attached to a gas station. Not thinking a Tesco's Express here, not even a Costa ice cream shop. What That's the dream. That is the dream right there. But now obviously where they have uh, hundreds of stores globally, so giving away um, a million cones every year on that particular day. However, you know, since the brand has grown, you know, they've always maintained a strong sense of uh, corporate social responsibility. And one of the big things that they really sort of shouted about was that they had a policy where the senior management, so including the Ben's and Jerry's, they could actually only earn five times as much as a regular employee. So, you know, with the average employee over there, only about sort of $30,000. Up until 1995, when they stopped it, they were earning only $150,000 a year. But in 2000, they were bought out by Unilever for $326 million. And it's still very much sort of kept hold of its identity um, with very much left-wing activism and supporting various causes, which we're going to touch on um, later on. But, you know, over the last sort of just shy of 40 years, they've got um, over 600 ice cream stores worldwide and over 60 flavors as well. I don't think I could name 60 of their ice cream flavors, but there's they definitely have some some really, really fun ones, which um, I'll, I'll share with you in a bit. Nice. Very good. Very good. So, I mean, I don't know whether there's a winner there. They're both very much innovators, one for protecting your eyesight, one for just getting some good old mouthfeel. I don't know. Well, you know what? To be honest, actually, I'm... I'm, I'm going to concede. I'll probably give it to Ray Brands only because, like, I think we see them now and the industry of sunglasses as a whole, and you know, if they were the real innovators behind that and making that sort of really cool technology, and you know, having that synonymous with their um, the brand. I think I'm, I'm going to give it to them. They get my vote. That's very kind of you. 
eyes are fairly important. We do need them to see. That is very true, Lloyd. So, moving on, I guess, to uh, naming conventions. Mm -hmm. I I feel this could be a short round for both of us. (laughs) (laughs) So, this is going to be a bit of an anticlimax because... It turns out there isn't someone called Ray Ban. Oh, that's a bit of a shame, to be honest. I know. I was going to like write this elaborate story about how the name came up and just make it up. Like, oh yeah, so uh, the founder's son was called Ray, and uh, <laughs> they banned and they banned him from going outside because he couldn't see until they made these glasses. <laughs> how did you know? Um, but um, the true the true naming convention is uh, that. Um, when they started realising that there was a public demand for these glasses, it was deemed that the, the name anti-glare wasn't really striking, uh, striking enough to uh, sort of sum up the appeal of the glasses. So yeah. um, they tried to find a new name for the brand, and so the term Ray-Ban was adopted, which uh, mm. you may guess is from the functionality of the glasses in banning rays from the sun. Yeah, that's probably just yeah, that's just as fun, I suppose. But yeah, they definitely could have made that more interesting of of naming one of their sons Ray Ban or something. Like, I hope I hope one of their one of their sons is called Ray. I really do at this rate. <laughs> Ray Bannertine. Yes. <laughs> well, like you said, I think Ben and Jerry's probably give the game away of the naming conventions a little bit. Um, to be honest, so I've gone a different route, and I'm looking at the naming conventions of how they name their flavors so these guys are like always been i think you know reading into them always sort of a bit like hippies and just want to stand out a little bit more and this is quite possibly i think the best sort of marketing campaigns that these guys have done they actually name their flavors um sort of infused with pop culture references they called obviously cherry garcia one of one of their most popular flavors um named after the grateful dead lead guitarist Jerry Garcia, another one which I think is a flavour I really like, which is Fish Food, named after Vermont rock band Fish, spelt with a PH. Some of the other fun stories where they've named flavours is a New York Times reporter just went round um, and got a tour of the HQ and coined the name for the flavour, um, the Caramel Sutra, whilst uh, there. Um, I know I touched on this earlier, but I think this really should go in now. But, you know, they have such a great corporate social responsibility and they really hold their values really highly. And, you know, they're always campaigning for different causes. So in 2009, in, in the States, and they're showing the support for gay marriage, they actually renamed their classic flavor Chubby Hubby to Hubby Hubby, which I thought was quite fun as well. But I thought those are just a few of the ones I wanted to pick out. And then there's probably plenty more that I've missed out off the list as well. Yeah, I think uh, fish food's always been my uh, my favourite. Yeah, I'm a I'm a cookies and cream kind of man. That is definitely my number one my number one flavour. Yeah, it's classic, isn't it? I've got such a sweet tooth for chocolate though. I just need dark chocolate. I I don't actually. I don't have much for sweet tooth. That I'm awful for it. Um, like on my birthday, I'm not a fan of cake and stuff. I'm really not bothered about it. If I could just have this is probably so controversial. I'm probably going to get so much hate. I probably get so much hate for this. Like my friends already know this, and they'll they'll be laughing at me. But if I um my birthday, if I could just stick like a 
a candle in like a steak or something and blow it out that's me done i'm fine but apparently you have to share it with other people so you know cake's fine wow um but yeah i mean ice cream ice cream i'll definitely have all day but you know lloyd if i'm gonna have to give a winner to naming conventions here mate i'm gonna have to give it to ben jerry's because there was no real fun story there about ray bands <laughs> i have had weeks to prepare to this so I should have just made up some ludicrous. I totally story. would have believed you as well. I'm I'm proper gullible. I definitely would have believed you. Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! But yeah, fair um, enough. Ben and Jerry's take the crown on this one. Going into round three, though, so we're having a bit of a PR break. Why are they in the news? You're going to look at some stuff that's going on right now. PR ben break. Jerry, <laughs> yeah, we're just having a PR break. PR week. <laughs> uh, we're going to check what's going on in the news. And um, Ben and Jerry's are always in the news. And over the last sort of week or so, they've they've really made some headlines. The the UK, they've basically just come over and slammed it over its handling of, of refugees hmm. um, recently. We've kind of seen a series of tweets and exchanges where they've um, really had a pop at uh, Pre to Tell, the um, what, what's her role foreign, again? Foreign Secretary? Yeah, the Foreign Secretary, sorry, I've literally had like a bit of a, a brain fart, probably a brain brain freeze even. <laughs> See what I did there. <laughs> um, you know, at a time when everything's going on at the moment, from Brexit to coronavirus and everything, she's just got it completely wrong. And, um, you know, they've actually come up with a really good tweet. So they've said, hey, please tell, we think the real crisis are lack of humanity for people fleeing war, climate change and torture which they directed them on Twitter. Uh, people wouldn't make dangerous journeys if they had any other choice. The UK hasn't resettled any refugees since March, but wars and violence continue. People cannot be illegal. Let's remember we're all human and we have the same rights to life regardless of the country we happen to have been born in. Um, and this is actually something which, you know, refugees is, is even on their website for current initiatives that they're working on among among other things as well from fair trade to lgbtq i think it's great to see them using their sort of social platforms to really look to challenge um you know the status quo and show that it's something they believe in uh, they definitely got people talking about this issue when i think maybe it would have been brushed under the carpet and i i think it definitely um yeah uh, definitely heightened the conversation around it online. I think there was some s- cynicism that they'd done that on the hottest day of the year when people are looking for ice cream, but I don't think uh, I don't think that had anything to do with it. I think it was I think it was genuine. You know, we, you've, they've had this history of um, having some social conscience, and so um, I thought it was really really interesting that they threw that hat into the ring and that what um, Pretty Patel had said was wrong. And uh, yeah, that's brave. And another reason they're in the news actually this week, and this is this is great for all the um, cookies and cream fans out there, including myself. They actually announced the recipe on how to make the little chunks from from the flavors as well. And they're not the only brand to kind of lift the lid. Oh, great food pun there again. I don't know if that went noticed. Just uh, so then, uh, yeah, I got it. I got it. <laughs> good, good. Just want to check. Didn't hear a chuckle. Just wanted to notice there. Um, on some of your some of your other favourite recipes, so uh, Wagamama's posted a video on how to make their famous katsu curry, and even IKEA released a recipe on how to make their famous Swedish meatballs as well. 
So I, I think it kind of entertained quite a lot of people while during lockdown, pre uh, restaurants opening again, which I'm sure people were just running to Wakamama and Ikea to get their katsu curries and, and meatballs in. It means that loads of people are going to go and try it and post pictures of them trying it. And so it's smart. Mm, absolutely. Mm, mm. Yeah, they are good from a PR point of view. Um, Ray-Ban's slightly different. They're one of these brands that's kind of become quite universal and it feels that they don't dip in and out of trends very often. They don't. You don't see them, I guess, like reacting online or yeah, you don't see them in the news that much. It's not as if Wayfarers have changed anything about their product or you know what they look like over the uh, they, 30 yeah, years or 40 years or whatever it is yeah they've obviously um occasionally launch um you know slightly altered versions or you know they redesigned the wayfarers a few years back to make them a little bit more modern and a lot like lighter um mm-hmm. and they obviously they do launch new products and they do have initiatives but in it's a much slower moving ship than you know, an FMCG company like uh, Ben & Jerry's. I think the most interesting thing is you know, if you go back 20 years now when they were originally sold to Luxottica, who also own Oakley and lots of other uh, sunglasses brands. At the time, Ray-Ban were really, really struggling. Uh, they were massively discounted in like really sort of low-quality shops like local news agents and tobacconists. And like every shop was flogging cheap Ray-Bans for like 20 20- Yeah. And you could buy them anywhere and the quality was getting less and less because they were being discounted like fakes were a massive problem and the brand was just in a bad shape in in 1999 and luxottica kind of took over and really revolution not revolution yeah they did revolutionize the entire distribution of the glasses but also changed some of the materials moved it up market and cut all the supply lines to all these cheap places that were discounting them and i thought that was really interesting because I, I had no idea that they were in such bad shape when luxottica first bought them they were bought for 640 million dollars and you can only Jeez. imagine what they're worth now i know oh my 600 million dollars that's just absolute crazy down i couldn't even think about having that much money <laughs> so apparently it's worth well in 2017 luxottica was worth uh, 49 billion so they got plenty of money Oh, okay. All right. That's probably what jump change to them. Yeah. Well, it's quite differing ways of looking at uh, what's going on in the news for both at the moment, I suppose. But you know what, mate? Like, I'm going to have to go for Ben and Jerry's just because of everything they're sort of doing at the moment. Definitely. Yeah, I think we'll give that one to B&J. I think uh, they've, they've obviously been one of the most talked about brands in the last couple of weeks. And no, we're not. We don't actually have an ad break. We're going to carry on talking, um, so you can keep listening. But basically, we're going to be looking at some of the ads, marketing slogans they may have done over the last sort of few years. I think probably like Ben Jerry's hasn't actually done a lot of marketing in in that sense, like major campaigns. But uh, one thing I did find that was really interesting, and I think it really matches up to the two founders as well is that they were really big onto sort of like guerrilla marketing. And this is probably like a tactic actually back in the 80s. As Ben & Joe's is growing, their biggest competitor, and it probably still is now actually, um, is Hagen does. As they were starting to grow, um, 
Hognos tried to limit their distribution within the US to counteract that, Ben and Jerry's launched the campaign of what's the problem, Doughboy, aimed at their parent company, Pillsbury, whose logo basically looks like, you know, a bit of a donut chap. <laughs> and it worked because they got hundreds of hundred thousand calls from angry customers and they ended up just like backing off. But and and as sort of I've I've touched on before, they've done plenty, I think, to showcase themselves um through some of their um not necessarily marketing but using social channels um to show their um key values and how that's promoting them as a brand i think but as a camp marketing campaign that's like i think one of the more famous ones that they've done you know what i don't even think i can't think of the top of my head but you'll definitely be able to correct me lloyd if Ray-Bans have done anything uh, like that, I just thought they're a staple, like you said earlier, you know what you're going to get sort of, sort of thing. Yeah, I think um, they don't, again, like it's a slow-moving ship, but um, after Loxotica bought them in 99, they spent the next few years, or eight years to be exact, uh, sorting out the distribution, the production, and the positioning of the brand. And then they felt they were ready to launch a global ad campaign. Uh, in 2007 so they launched the campaign uh, never hide which is one of my favorite campaigns and something that i really mm-hmm. loved loved when it first came out and this was a global media plan the idea of it was that ray-ban has that unique ability to place the wearer at the center of attention mm-hmm. and not only that the campaign message of never hide is is kind of encouraging that target market to be themselves and never pretend or be afraid and stand up for what they believe in and, and never and never hide. Not only then did they use kind of instantly recognizable personalities, so like Guns N' Roses were one of the main sort of faces of that campaign, but they also combined that with ordinary um, Ray-Ban wearers who wanted to be, you know, to stand up and be counted. So they yeah. used a lot of UGC and photography of normal people wearing Ray-Bans in a lot of the adverts. And um, that campaign never hide. And that tagline has, has stuck with them ever since. And it's still, that campaign still is running today, 13 years later. I think that's great when it's something that sort of stick around that long. I know, um, I think one of the sort of videos we did late last year, pre-Brand Wars, obviously, uh, was around... Uh, the I'm Loving It campaign with McDonald's that's obviously run for, you know, nearly 17 years now. And I think that's great when you hit on that, almost that sweet spot where it's something that's synonymous and people will know that that is associated with the brand, no matter what. I mean, like with McDonald's, you could just go walk down the street and just say, da, 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 da. And everyone knows knows what you're thinking as well. Um, yeah, and it's not just the words, is it? It's what it means and yeah. what it stands for. And I think um, that never hide is just um, perfect because, yeah, it's it's about standing out, but also not. It's not that forced. It's about being yourself, and I think that's. It's not being loud. It's not being flashy. It's literally make the product does the talking. Yeah, and I think um, that really you know hit a note with consumers around that time. And uh, as well, they did some guerrilla marketing. Um, so when that, that campaign first came out, um, it was around the start of YouTube. Um, and uh, they did this thing where they would, uh, they launched all these sort of viral 
videos that were a bit weird, like shot on really crap cameras where they print out like Ray-Ban sunglasses stickers and go and stick them on posters and statues and public oh, artifacts cool. and stuff like that. Um, and I remember like these, they filmed this video with guys like throwing Ray-Ban sunglasses to each other and they would land on their face. I don't know if you've seen that. I don't even remember I that. I can't remember. Maybe throwing we'll them like... to share it on, on socials. Yeah, we'll put it on the Bramble's uh, LinkedIn page and uh, Instagram. But like, they, yeah, they, someone would like throw a pair of sunglasses off a building and they'd like land on someone's face perfectly. And, um, That's sick. Uh, it was one of those kind of early viral successes because people didn't really know if it was real. People didn't know if it was sponsored, if Ray-Ban were doing it or not, or if it's just some blokes doing it. Um, it was a really clever campaign, like, and it really, um, yeah, again, like hit the note of what was successful on YouTube at that time, which was normal people becoming overnight celebrities through viral videos. Mm. It is crazy to think where viral videos itself has now come on the back of that, right? Like you're saying, we don't know who's making this, what's happening. And now you know, oh, you almost know that either it's a sponsored ad or, you know, with the accessibility on YouTube at the moment, I think it's amazing that you see so many creators, but at the same time, you're like, oh, all right, we've seen a bunch of these before sort of thing. It takes a lot to go that extra mile and surprise people, I think, nowadays as well, doesn't it? Nowadays, it's, it's, a, it's a meme. So, like, yeah. anything that happens in the real world, like Michael Jordan crying at an award ceremony, it becomes, like, that would be a viral video back in the day, but now it's cut and pasted and tweaked and edited and it turns into a meme. Who are you, fe- who are you feeling for, for this round, mate? We're going to take it to the last few here. I personally put my put my vote in for Ray-Ban because I think Ben & Jerry's, this, this section is about advertising and I think um, Ray-Ban had one of the most successful ad campaigns ever in that Never Hide and it's still going nowadays. They've had new campaigns, so like they launched a similar thing to Nike ID where you could um, create your own Ray-Bans, design all the colours and materials and everything like that and they still use that Never Hide slogan but um, I think from an advertising point of view, Ray-Ban should win. I think from a marketing point of view, Ben & Jerry's do some great stuff. And part of their marketing is purely the naming and launching of new flavors all the time. Mm. Um, And they obviously have this PR machine that's clever and is social responsibility as a marketing tactic in itself. But I think when it comes to advertising, um, Ray-Ban should take the point. But it does bring us nicely to obviously, you know, we've got a few more rounds left yeah. and a few awards to give out, including the George Clooney Award for the best sponsorship and or celebrity endorsement. I'm probably going to keep this short and sweet because I think we could be here all day with Ray-Bans, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm just going to cut in before you now and tell you just a few that I found for Ben & Jerry's, right? Um, some of the ones that I like. So... Um, they showed their support for Barack Obama in 2008, you know, when he was running for president um, and changed uh, one of their famous flavors to Yes, We Pecan. Uh, obviously a great pun on his slogan, Yes, We Can. Uh, and they actually ended up do- donating all the proceeds from that flavor to the Common Cause Education Fund, uh, which is obviously one of the things that he strived to achieve during his, his presidency as well. And I think they, they appeared on Jimmy Fallon, so gave him a flavor called the Tonight Dough. But I think though the Obama was the one I think I really wanted to highlight. I think that one's great. Not only, you know, great pun, uh, sticking true to some of their great names, but also 
you know, staying true to themselves with with a great cause there as well. Mm. So look, before I concede this one, mate, how how do you how do you now keep this as short and sweet as possible? For uh, for Ray Ban, um, yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. So I guess more recently they've used some celebrity ambassadors in their ads, like I mentioned, Guns and Roses. They work with, um, they've used the Killers in their advertising and and those kind of uh, musicians. But I think like Ray Ban's been synonymous with, I hate to say it, influencers because when you know the anti glares first launched, um, you know around the second time of the Second World War, people's idols were. Uh, you know, were military figures and with this adulation sort of came the desire for people to look like the heroes they admired and so the popularity of that Ray-Ban aviator when it first came out was, was mm-hmm. enormous because of that and one of the sort of first endorsers I guess was uh, one of the top brass in the US Army called General Douglas MacArthur he gave Ray-Ban a heroic image in the eyes of a uh, sort of mass market he there was sort of this famous picture apparently when he landed in uh in Korea, I think it was, and uh, he sort of stepped out onto the beach. Someone took a photo of him, and he's wearing these aviators, and everybody wanted to be him. So, and, and after the war, I guess as well, um, military style was was key within fashion. So, having military sunglasses was the perfect sort of accessory to match this military uh, fashion culture of the time. Mm-hmm. Then comes the Hollywood era, I guess, and during the fifties and sixties, and like celebrity endorsement was key driver of sales, I guess, for Ray-Ban. I can just reel off a list of icons, like just to give you some mid-century icons who have worn Ray-Bans. JFK, uh, Audrey Hepburn, James Dean, Muhammad Ali, Bob Dylan, Marilyn Monroe. And then you also had this sort of second wave of Ray-Ban celebrities um, in the 80s when you had, um, especially in film again, so you had like uh, the Blues Brothers, um, Risky Business, Top Gun, and then loads of musicians again, like Debbie Harry from Blondie, Elvis Costello, Michael Jackson, Billy Joel, Madonna, all had absolute uh, icons. Yeah, all were you know used to wear Ray Bans. So I think they've just been synonymous with with film culture and uh, and celebrity uh, and kind of iconic fashion. Yeah, mm. yeah, oh, mate, I could not agree more. Could not agree more. But, so as we were just talking, and I couldn't remember some of the other flavors, I have to share some of them now with you. Uh, I found some other celebrity flavors uh, from Ben and Jerry's. I'm just going to tap this on at the end. I think you guys have won already. But I feel like I, I wouldn't do it to service in case I didn't share this one. The flavor Goodbye Yellow Brickle Road, uh, named after Elton John. There is a flavor called Scotchy Scotch Scotch from Will Ferrell's Anchorman character, Ron Burgundy, also one of my favourite movies of all time. The Monty Python from Late Night Snack with uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Stephen Colbert's Americone Dream. Uh, yes, we can. We heard that one already. Imagine World Peace, uh, as in W-H-I-R-L-E-D. World Peace. Uh-huh. It's caramel and sweet cream ice cream swirled with fudge peace signs and toffee cookie pieces named after john lennon and you also have neapolitan dynamite after obviously the cult classic napoleon dynamite as well very good very good but we go into the last two and the award is the james dyson award uh, which is the best thing they've ever made now 
this is certainly up to the debate within the Ben and Jerry world, being that there's 60 flavours to choose from. Mine, obviously I mentioned before, is the uh, cookies and cream flavoured ice cream. Yours is um, fish flavoured, I believe, Lloyd. Um, fish flavoured, so fish food. Fish food? Fish food? Fish food. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the fish flavoured one. But you know what? I'm the winner of this because there was an official survey taken among the general public to find out the best Ben and Jerry's flavour and cookie dough was the winner with 60%. And in last place was chocolate chip brownie with 8.5%. Now, I, I'm going to put a big asterisk next next this, to be fair, because I couldn't find out when the date of that was. And that was probably just for a select few, given that there's 60 flavours. But on their website, you can see what are sort of the most popular flavours, like right now as well. Um because I think they're constantly changing, releasing new ones and stuff. But for the best thing they've ever made, or probably putting the bits in the ice cream, the, the mouthfeel, mate. <laughs> the mouthfeel is unreal. Hashtag mouthfeel. So, um, yeah, I think the the way they've sort of upped the ice cream game and not gone into bagels, that's what we need to remember here. Yeah, I guess um, we could have had the Ben Jerry's bagel company i don't think it would have been as successful as ben and jerry's ice cream i'll tell you that much like bagels are great but you know there's no ice cream with bits in it yeah no and uh although yeah we quite often frequent bagel mania was mad in there oh yeah to be fair we are, we are probably keeping that business afloat <laughs> we were we were pre pre-lockdown <laughs> so yeah my application for uh round six is uh the wayfarer Mm-hmm. Uh, after the war you had this sort of uh, it was inevitable I guess that you were going to have this era of high glamour and the, the aviators has obviously been very popular up until now but B&L decided it was time to take advantage of the, the new synthetic materials available and create a design that had a slightly different appeal so um, they developed the Wayfarer which we all know mm-hmm. and love which uh, so they were frames created from uh, modern moulded plastic and they had a obviously a totally different look for the aviator and they had those kind of flared out sharp pointed wings similar to sort of like classic 50s car design in America. And uh, they were said to be specifically uh, designed by um, a guy called uh, Raymond Stegman who was uh, the designer within B&L to imply an, an air of danger and unpredictability for the wearer. Mm. And... Obviously, the attraction of the Hollywood silver screen was sort of fast becoming the ultimate trend dictator in the world, and um, Ray-Ban wayfarers were soon being worn, you know, on screen in by the biggest of biggest of stars like James Dean in Rebel Without a Cause and Audrey Hepburn in Bre- Breakfast at Tiffany's, and so yeah. wayfarers were instantly the choice for uh, film fans all over the world, basically. Yeah, I mean, they were definitely synonymous, I think, with that sort of era of, of films and movie stars and making that sort of look uh, back then. And I think that probably stays the same today. I mean, the aviators for Tom Cruise and Top Gun is like that. Um, that image is, is all you can think about when you think when you think of that film. Um, certainly me. I remember watching it growing up and I was like, Oh my god! I need those sunglasses. If I get those sunglasses, I'm a pilot. I'm a pilot, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, or as close to as I'm going to get. So you're sort of jumping the gun on my weird fact, but I don't want to. I don't want to. Oh, okay. I'll hold my horses there. 
you know what? I'm getting so confused. Like, I feel like that's a phrase. Hold, hold your hold your horses. Hold your horses. Hold my horse. It sounds weird when you say it to yourself, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, with with that being said, though, would you reckon for the the James Dyson Award then, Lloyd? Who's the, who's this week's winner? Well, Wayfarers. Well, Rayban have had loads of great products, I suppose, over the years, but there's only have they had sixty sixty great products? What's their mouth feel like? You can't eat plastic. I don't know. I've never chewed. So you can't. Never chewed yeah, I'm not, aviators. Yeah, I don't think you want to. It's plastic. It doesn't taste good. Well, this isn't the James Dyson Award for mouthfeel. <laughs> I mean, mate, the, the man had insomnia. Okay, uh, that is the key thing of making the mouthfeel. <laughs> so, what your your application is for the bits, basically. The bits, basically, all of the bits. The bits. <laughs> yeah. You know when you get orange juice with bits or without bits? Normally, I'm a smooth kind of orange juice guy. This is obviously totally off topic with ice cream. But I am bits with ice cream. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Mm, yeah. yeah, I think I'm bits as well. What about peanut butter? Uh, oh, no, I like crunchy. Okay. I think I'm smooth with peanut butter. Um, but I quite... I'm, I'm growing up, like, um, my mum being American... I grew up having uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah, the crunchy was always better than the smooth. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. You need a bit of crunch. Mm. So how about this? How about this? We call it a tie. No, actually, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm not calling it a tie. 60 flavours trumps the two products that uh, Rayban has got in Wayfarers and Aviators. No There's way. more. 58. There's more. There's more, is there? What, so, different colours? I don't think they count. So they've got a product called the Huntsman. Oh, right. Which, uh, now, I'm, now I'm questioning myself. I need to look this up. One, one moment, please. I'll play some music. Yes. Outdoorsman. They have a product oh, okay. called the Outdoorsman, right? Which yeah. was uh, developed after the Aviator for men who are into hunting, shooting, fishing, welding. And Basically just safety goggles. Safety goggles that had style. <laughs> and they actually developed it, and they still, they still do these today. There's a little circle in between the two, on the bridge of the glasses, like a little circle, mm-hmm. a bit of metal. Lots of people wonder what that's for nowadays, but that's to put your cigarette in. It's a cigarette holder, so you could hold your gun or your fishing rod with, with two hands. That's just got danger written all over it. Well, the gun is quite dangerous. Yeah, that's true. And uh, But yeah, for putting something on fire in between your eyes doesn't really make sense. But all right, yeah. well, all right, I'll concede it. The bits. Yeah, the bits for the win. Round seven, weird fact. Go, hit me with it. So Tom Cruise movies have single-handedly raised Ray-Ban sales over 40%. Is that even if he hasn't worn them? Because that is an absolutely mental statistic. And he's done that twice. So for two different movies, he's raised their sales by 40% that year. Yeah. Right. Top. Let me guess some Top Gun. Um, Oh, what's that one called? Uh, Risky Business. Yep, correct. So... Risky Business uh, in 1983 
he boosted Ray-Ban sales for that year by 50%. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then three years later, when Top Gun came out, he, you know, he played volleyball, looking sweaty, rode his motorcycle, took a shower. Yeah, uh, Maverick. <laughs> that's my uh, that's my uh, review of Top Gun. Uh, he boosted Ray-Ban sales by 40% that year because uh, it obviously took it back to its fighter pilot roots. According to this also, Ray, uh, Rain Man, not Ray-Ban, Rain Man. Oh, I can't remember which. Oh, he wore the Clubmasters, that's right, in, in Rain Man. And uh, he boosted Clubmaster sales by 15% just from Rain Man. Hmm. That is a crazy good statistic. Fair enough. Um, from, from the Ben and Jerry side of things, so they actually have a a graveyard for the lost and forgotten flavours where they go to die. As not all flavours have been successful uh, with Ben and Jerry's, yeah. you know, with all those crazy flavours they have, some aren't just quite hits. So are you going um, back on, is he going back on what you said in the last round now? No, no, no. They have 60 flavours right now. That are successful. That are successful. <laughs> you know, some of them aren't, Lloyd. You know, they could have made a hundred, if all the, if all the flavours are successful, we'd be talking hundreds of flavours. But some of them aren't. Okay. And one of them, okay, it was the sugar plum flavour. And it was generally the worst uh, selling flavour of all time, selling one pint of ice cream. So basically just one pot of ice cream. And it was cancelled in 1990. I can't believe enough. that. <laughs> one. One. The single, the single one. I just can't believe that only one person would buy it. Like given the distribution, like must have made hundreds of thousands of these things yeah imagine just imagine that but um yeah so at their hq in vermont they have a, a literal grave site which you can go see if you ever do the the tour you can go and see the graveyard of, uh, of lost flavors with that i suppose going into a tie on the last one should we just leave it up to the uh listeners to, to decide yeah go on then go on let's make it interesting have you still um, got a purely losing record? I didn't mean it like that. I could have said, have I got a winning record? But I went with, have you got a losing record? Um, I feel like that was a slight dig, but yes, I, I do. I'm, I do. I do, in fact, have a losing record, I think, if I recall. But it's okay. It's fine. You know what? I'm backing myself. I'm backing Ben and Jerry's. I'm backing the listeners of the Brand Wars pod to help me out this week and um, get me that win. So with that being said, as usual, we'll be putting it on, on Instagram so you can vote who the winners were this week. We'll also see if we can put one on LinkedIn as well. So if um, you guys can check out our newly made page there. Give us a like, follow, all that sort of good stuff. Let us know if there's any other brands you want to see featured on the pod or anything like that as well. We'd love to hear any sort of feedback. Yeah, and uh, yeah, when I put the poll up last week, like IKEA got a lot of votes, so we'll probably do that against who, something else. We'll, we'll guess we'll find out who IKEA's challenger is for for week four. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking McDonald's maybe. Ooh, the uh, the cheeseburger versus the Swedish meatballs. Mm. Mm. The, bat- the battle of the fast foods, or possibly a no, uh, no IKEA is not a restaurant, right? I mean, I've literally only been there to eat the food. <laughs> I walked around all afternoon, and I got a. I was hungry by the end. All I all I kept hearing about was Swedish meatballs. Or you know, could be uh, could be Tesco. Could be about the retail parks. I don't know. People have thrown some ideas in. We could either do um, a brand that everybody loves but is not very successful, versus a brand that everybody hates that's really successful. Oh, okay, nice. 
I like it. I like it. Or we were going to do the retail park derby. So <laughs> DFS, DF- <laughs> DFS, DFS versus B and Q. Yeah, or yeah, home base. <laughs> well, finally, great to to do another one, which has taken us about three weeks to do in about three different goes. So hopefully, we'll get the next one in sooner rather than later. And um, yeah, see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye.